You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Run like a wild man. I watched you struggle and I watched you wrestle with them angels. From Auburn University, Bo Jackson. All right, your Auburn soccer complex time is 8.36 p.m. Uh, I'm your host again tonight, the second time this week. Uh, Ryan Starrett, you know me. Uh, my co-host, a uh, little busy. Like I said, I've got little ones and, uh, you know, I don't, so I have more freedom than them. Uh, tonight, we're going to be talking Auburn soccer. Uh, the season's about to kick off. I've already had uh, one exhibition game, and I've got a special guest. Um, you may know him uh, as one of the voices of the Auburn soccer team or from literally anything else in town because he's everywhere. Uh, he's a travel soccer coach. He works in the athletic department. He used to uh, teach at Auburn High School, so you maybe know him from there. It's Mac Matthews. How's it going, Mac? Ryan, it's good. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, good to talk about soccer. Yeah, it's good to have uh, somebody that knows a little bit more than I do about it. <laughs> um, all right, so let's uh, let's step back for people that may not be as familiar with the program. Um, where does Auburn sit like, in the SEC and nationally? Uh, well, there, there's a there's a question of where they sit and where they want to sit um, and uh, where they could sit. And, and all of that's just really wide open right now. And the SEC in soccer is, is a lot like what you're seeing in baseball and in basketball. It's been this way in football forever. You know, the, the best teams in the country are now in the SEC in virtually every sport. And soccer is no exception. It used to be the ACC uh, and uh, West Coast. Um, Southern California, especially Texas, but now the, the SEC has come so far, and and so for Auburn, uh, you know, top half is a minimum expectation given the experience of the coaching staff and uh, the depth of recruiting year to year. Um, nationally, you know, if they're not in the top 20, 25, um, you know, by a third of the way through the season, it's a, it's a it seems to be a bit of a disappointment. And and they certainly expect to make um, a tournament every year. Um, and I think this is a team, Ryan, that really feels hard done by by the tournament committee coming off the COVID year. Um, yeah, that's something I wanted to ask you about. Uh, it seemed like they were right there to kind of get in the back end of the tournament last year. And you know, as weird as everything was, especially in soccer, there was the the split fall and spring season. And, uh, it, it seemed like they were playing their best soccer at the end of the year as well. Uh, but they, they missed the tournament um, and didn't play their best in, in conference play. Um, so like, what caused that? I mean, was there anything in particular? Well, it's it's terribly typical of a young team to not play well initially and then to grow into it, especially when you go from fall to spring, which I think is how soccer should be. Um, when you do it just in the fall or just in the spring, you end up playing two games a week. And, you know, imagine asking a football team to play two games a week. And I know they're not having car wrecks every time they end up play, but the average player is running, you know, anywhere between seven and 10 miles a game. When and I saw some of the collisions in the exhibition, they were uh, not soft. <laughs> <laughs> Memphis didn't come to uh, make friends. 
And the, if, you, if you look at the fouls, I think it was like 17 to 8. And uh, so Memphis was, was definitely delivering. But uh, anyway, if if you could have it spread out like that, it allows you to play one game a week. And you tend to get better games and less injuries. But it also lets you have a team like Auburn that's young progress. And those youngsters grew up over the winter. And by the time the spring showed up, it was a very different team. And they began to find their goals. That's always the struggle. Uh, you know, what separates a good soccer team from a great one is having dynamic goal scorers. And that's something Auburn has not been known for. They're known for their defense. And so they began to grow into it in the spring. And you're right. They were playing their best soccer. And it was a bit of a shock when they were left out. Um, but that's the risk you take when you have that kind of season. Yeah, if I remember correctly, it was almost a, a coin flip between Auburn and Ole Miss, I believe. And Auburn had the head-to-head, seemed like yep. he had a better resume, but yep. uh, uh, tournament yeah. took Ole Miss instead. That's right. And when I say they feel hard done by, it's not an overstatement. They feel hard done by, and they're going to bring that into the season. Yeah, that's uh, – uh, motivation always is, is good. Um, so – Let's talk a little bit about this year's team then. Um, it, it seemed like they struggled at points. You talked about them being a very young team uh, last year. They struggled to score goals. Um, they, I think in 18 games, it was uh, they scored 27 goals, only gave up 15, uh, which is fantastic. But like you said, it seemed like they just they couldn't find a, a dynamic goal scorer or a focal point of the offense. Well, if, if you can find a dynamic goal scorer, you're going to separate yourself from virtually every other team. They're extremely hard to come by. You, you look at, you know, soccer on a world level where it's football, not soccer. And, you know, you, you get players like Messi who just moved to PSG, which is just shameful. And, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo and, and Neymar and uh, you know, a few others. There are only a few others in all of world football who are elite goal scorers. And that's in the men's game where they have a distinct, it's a very different game um, and it's speed and power. And, um, you know, and in the women's game, it's sometimes even harder to find dynamic goal scorers. Um, and, and that's certainly the case across, you know, as the level of soccer in the Southeast has increased, the competition for those elite goal scorers is so much greater than it used to be. And uh, and they're not many to go around. And so, if again, if you can find one of those, and Auburn's six deep up top, um, but they're young, and uh, somebody's going to have to step up. That's the bottom line. You've got to find somebody with the confidence. I, th- I think it was uh, Olivia Candelino last year who who tried a bicycle kick in the middle of the game. And you just don't see that very often. It takes a certain panache and uh, and egotism to try that kind of stuff and and that's what they need they need somebody like that to step up and uh, and run with it so if this year is going to be a success it sounds like they're, they're going to have to find somebody uh, that yep. can have that confidence to go in and, and score those goals yep. um even last year with those 27 goals they were pretty spread out you know that's i don't right. think anybody had more than four or five maybe um if this year is a success who do you see or maybe a handful of people who are those uh, Focal points. Well, the, the two names that immediately pop up are Sidney Richards and Haley Whitaker. Uh, and they've had to bounce around in and out of the midfield uh, to try to solve some problems with the team shape. 
but they're both very capable, um, both very experienced. Sydney with a, a quality left foot, moments of brilliance. Haley Whitaker was on top 10 uh, sports center in the spring for a snap volley she hit. They both have moments of brilliance, but there's got to be greater consistency. And, and, and then I'm really interested to see what happens with this grad transfer, uh, Sabrina McNeil. She's a true forward, a, a, a dedicated goal scorer, a left footer, which you don't find very often. Um, and this is the only year she's got left. She wants to play professionally. And, you know, you've seen that with several transfers in the football program. They've got one year, and you know they're going to lay it all on the line. And that's the same thing with Sabrina. She's a little uh, – she's carrying a little bit of injury right now. Um, but if, if she can get healthy and get on the field, we'll see what happens. If, if she can be solid and then we find one other player to combine with her, it, it could be nasty up top. Yeah, a few years ago, there was Brie Folds, who was just a Ugh. dynamic scorer. Like, talked about amazing. Uh, you know, we talked her talked about her plenty on this podcast. Um, so hopefully, uh, th- this team can find someone like that. Um, and it seems like pretty much everybody's returning from last year's team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's there's a handful of names uh, that aren't back. But of those 27 goals last year, 24 or 23 of them are, are back. So this does seem to lend itself to a team that can grow together and develop together. Uh, we've seen that uh, on the basketball court plenty in the last couple of years where these teams maybe struggled with a bunch of sophomores and freshmen, but as they got older, uh, they did some big things. So is that something you see happening here as well? Absolutely. You've got an experienced spine up the middle, um, at least at three levels. Um, Hannah Wesh, uh, she's their holding center mid. Um, a year of experience under her belt can cover the whole field uh, and very good at her job of shielding the back line. Anna Haddock is a difference maker at that attacking center mid. Um, And again, a a year of experience and should have all of those butterflies out. And then the the real kicker in the mix is going to be, again, another grad transfer, Grace uh, Sklopin. I don't know if it's Sklopin or Sklopan. I haven't, I haven't talked to her yet. Um, but she's a true attacking center mid. Uh, she's a fifth-year senior, if that makes sense. She's got two years of eligibility. She's here for an MBA, graduated from Virginia Tech in three years, really bright young lady. She's already in the MBA program here. And she should be playing alongside Anna Haddock in the midfield, and that's going to maybe be the real change factor. Um, she's not a brief olds. Uh, rarely do you get a player who can compare like that, but she's uh, a similar skill set, uh, can run for days, can keep the ball, um, can see, has great vision. And so we'll see how she fits into the mix with this team. And she's got two years. Um, so that could be a real difference, but you know, the, the real key is how they're going to rebuild that back line. Yeah. And I'm just looking at the roster right now and it, it really seems like there's very few seniors on this team. Um, there's uh, uh, Sabrina McNeil that you talked about. Is she's a grad transfer, and Haley Whitaker is a senior as well. Outside of that, I, yeah, I see a lot of freshmen, sophomores, and juniors. Uh, so if they can find something to build on this year, it seems like this could be a two-year or three-year even uh, building or building block. Absolutely. They're, you know, they're going to have to replace Whitaker. They're going to have to replace Melanson. She gets kind of lost in the shuffle. She's already been drafted by the North Carolina uh, Courage. 
but uh, it, she, which means she has after the season's over, she gets to go to training camp and try to earn a spot on the roster. Um, but uh, you know, if if you, if you take those two and, and you can just replace those two pieces going forward, they, they have a chance to to really run for several years. I think she brought in twelve players last year. And then wow. eight more, eight more freshmen this year. That's twenty new players, and 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 that's her core. And so, if she can get the back line sorted out, she's got a goalkeeper to build on for years in Prohaska. But uh, I'm really going to be paying attention to the back line. Uh, you know, they they want to play in a three-five-two, and lots of teams want to, but very few teams can. You've got to have three true center backs. And uh, that's like having three really high-level five-star linebackers. Then you can do some nasty stuff as a defense. Um, and so there's a lot of weight on J.C. Silhan, the freshman, left footer, number 18, if she can play in the back alongside Moore and Craven. Because um, it'll take two or three of those players to, to replace the production of Sarah Houchin from last year. Um, Sarah's been the lockdown center back for four years, and – so that's that's a tough replacement. Well, let's talk a little bit more about that defense. Um, I'm somebody that I I have started to enjoy soccer over the last few years, but I I'm not at the point of knowing a ton of strategy or anything like that. So I guess what's the key to this lockdown defense that you mentioned that it kind of been known for the last few years? Is there well, a specific strategy, or is it just having talented defenders? Well, Coach Hoppe for years and years has played four in the back, and obviously it's much easier to cover the entire width of the field with four players than three. It's a 75-yard wide pitch, and that's a lot of distance. Um, and for three players, it's especially difficult. But in the last few years, Coach Hop has transitioned, and I'm glad to see it, to a three-back system because it lets her push more attacking players forward, five in the midfield. Um, and so the, the key for, you know, for Auburn is going to be the tactical nuances when you play three in the back you've got to decide how you handle it when a team is faster than you are and they push you on the outsides because your three have to shift across how do you cover the space on the back side um, and it's just like when you're watching a really good men's basketball team and they move the ball and move the ball and move the ball and then kick it out to somebody who's suddenly wide open and you're done for and it's the same thing in soccer. Um, and so as those three slide across the back, uh, how are they going to cover that? Do they drop in a wing back? Um, do they take their holding center mid and drop them into the back line? Then who replaces them? And so it's dominoes all over the field. And so when you see a team that's really well organized, they've been drilled and drilled and drilled and drilled. That's what I worked on with, with my U-17 team tonight. How do you adjust from four back to three back? And it's just a lot of high-level coaching and players who can talk and, and sort it out in the, in the chaos theory that is soccer. So how much of that defense is the goalkeeper, Matty Prohaska? Um, watching her in the exhibition against Memphis, I mean, she played great for yep. uh, almost that entire game. That very end kind of got away. Yeah. Um, I guess how much of the defense is also including the goalkeeper there? And the goalkeeper is the quarterback. They can see it's it's why probably seventy five percent of your coaches are ex goalkeepers because they've seen the whole game their whole lives and they coach the entire team in game. 
And Prohaska is, even though she's so young, she is not shy. And she controls that team in front of her. And so, uh, you know, for Maddie, she, it, it got a lot to do with her. Her positioning, her, her, her um, willingness to communicate and, and command in front of her. Um, but it, it also, a lot of that goes on the center back or center backs if you're in a four back system. And that's with Sarah Houchin for the last several years. And so I'll be really interested to see how um, Maddie Moore handles that responsibility. And Emmy Craven, who's, you know, she's had a few injuries, but what a, she's, she looks like she's six, six when she's playing, but she's got the sweetest <laughs> feet you've ever seen. And uh, she, you know, she's a basketball, volleyball, uh, and Silhan's a triple jumper, if I remember correctly, out of high school. These girls are all tall and big and strong and fast. And so it really comes down to communication and leadership. And that'll be Prohaska and more in, in, in the central positions. So a lot of that falls on Prohaska's shoulders. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I didn't realize that that was kind of a, a trope was a lot of former coaches or goalkeepers. Uh, yeah. But as a baseball guy, that's like catchers, I guess. Where right. A lot of catchers become managers. Yep. Uh, so we'll we'll go into the Memphis uh, exhibition a little more then. Um, I, the format of that was a little bit different, I'm assuming, just because it's an exhibition. Uh, it seemed like so they played three periods instead of two halves. Uh, was that just how they're set up for the exhibition? Yeah, it just allows you to make some adjustments, okay. um, coaching adjustments, and water breaks, and just makes it more natural. Yeah, I guess uh, early August in Auburn is a good time for water breaks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's good to see the international game has even adopted that. They finally admitted the fact that running four miles without any water, you know, and then having to do it again and then four times in a game is probably unhealthy. Uh, so it's nice to see that being adopted everywhere. Uh, so Memphis was a tournament team last year. Uh, I didn't know that ahead of the exhibition, but knowing that now, it seems like the way Auburn played them was, was impressive. Um, Auburn really seemed to kind of own that uh, game, especially early. Sure. Um, and I'm assuming with it being an exhibition, there's uh, you go a lot deeper into your roster, you sub That's a lot right. more, get more people experience. So giving up two goals late doesn't really mean a lot to me. And it's irrelevant. Yeah, absolutely okay. irrelevant. It's just like a preseason know, football game. That's exactly right. Um, in fact, you know, Coach Hoppe did exactly what she should have. She didn't worry about short-term games gains. She played 18 players, which is nuts. Uh, in a soccer game, you know, you play 11, you might have two or three subs off the bench. Um, sometimes you go four deep. <laughs> you don't go seven deep, eight deep. Um, but she intentionally got a lot of her really young, just out of high school players right onto the field. And and they were most, you know, and, and, and the deeper you go into a game like that, if you're doing that, you take risks and you get, unorganized in the back and uh, I don't care how good your goalkeeper is. You're going to give up some goals, but you know, all you had to do is look at the, uh, even if you didn't go to the game, just look at the stat book. Auburn had, I think eight corner kicks. Um, so there two that tells you who had the possession and it tells you which end the possession was on. And so Auburn had a lot of that ball and, uh, you know, when Memphis came to bang, uh, that was, <laughs> that's Definitely. yeah. And so, <laughs> but yeah, you know, and, and, if anybody's concerned about that that game or that score, then they, they don't really understand what's going on. So Auburn's got another exhibition uh, Saturday at Mercer. Um, yep. Is Mercer 
I don't know anything about their soccer program. Is that I know what you'd expect in football as well, where they're a lower level? Yes, but, I, but okay. you know, in soccer, you get you, you get a lot of mid-major teams that are really, really good. In fact, you can find D three schools that will routinely thump D one schools, um, wow. and uh, you know, because you you spread the you know, the, especially as soccer is emerging, um, you know, and uh, you get a lot of talent that's spread out all over the place. But uh, yeah, with, with Mercer, I, I expect a little less depth off the bench from Coach Hoppe, uh because you know the, the, the regular season is coming. And uh, but they should be good. They've been good on the men's side, um, but I haven't followed their women's program at all. Well, uh, speaking of the regular season, we are a week from the opening match, and uh, against a program a little dear to your heart, isn't that right? Absolutely. <laughs> They'll be playing at Samford, uh, 7 p.m. Thursday night. So if you're in the Birmingham area, you've got a chance to go see them. And Samford, uh, uh, Samford's no slouch. Um, I've sent some high school players there, and uh, you know that's where I played keeper before men's football came in and stole all of our scholarships. And uh, anyway, <laughs> out of uh, out of great admiration for the Bowden family, I won't say anything else. Um, and I did have the the the, the privilege of uh, meeting Bobby. Um, one of his sons was a professor there, and then Terry obviously came in as the coach when they um, brought football back at some point. But anyway, I met Bobby, and and everything you've heard about him is true. Um, what a great, humble, um, quiet servant leader. Um, it was. Uh, I got to spend about 15 minutes when I was in college chatting with him, and you'd never know. This is when his national championship days, and you'd never ever know who he was just from talking to him what a nice guy thanks for sharing that i, I didn't know you had a uh, experience with the Bowdens, but that's yeah especially I, I, with, with them passing this past week that's that's good to hear his son steve was my uh philosophy of religion professor and i was playing him in racquetball for <laughs> bonus points for the class and he whipped my butt and Bobby was standing up top, had flown in town for his grandson's birthday and was standing up top watching us and watched Steve demolish me. And, uh, and, and I went up top and just chatted with him and nicest guy. Um, anyway, not what we're here to talk about, but, uh, but worth mentioning. Yeah, appreciate that. Um, all right. So I guess let's just kind of wrap it up with, I guess, what are the expectations for this year? I mean, we, you hit on that a little bit at the top. Um, sure. Is it, are they expecting to be a tournament team this year? Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it, every year's different. You you got to watch the injury bug. Um, you know that can derail you in a hurry. Um, you know when you're really only playing 14 or 15 players, um, you lose one or two and you're in trouble. But uh, you know if, if injuries are good to them and their uh, grad transfers can contribute, their freshmen can step up. They've uh, they've got experience up the middle. They've got Melanson on the outside, and she is so nasty up and down that left wing. It's just a joy to watch that girl run. Um, then they have a real shot. You know, they they made a good run a few years ago, and uh, it's time for them to go back. and And I think they're hungry. They're motivated, and they've got the talent. Who is the the favorite of the SEC this year? Is there a dominant single program, or is there a change every couple of years? Yeah, it rotates. Texas A&M under Coach G is always good. Um, uh, Florida is always good. Vandy uh, bounces in and out. Every now and then, Missouri pops in. Arkansas, um, I think most of their team is off of the same Oklahoma 
club team. It's like 14 of them on that team. Wow. And so there's five or six every year who could take the SEC and, uh, um, you know, and Auburn is, it's, it's time. Um, Coach Hop has been here for seemingly forever. She knows exactly what she's doing. She's got a great staff. Ben Madsen is just as solid as they come. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's time. You know, at the last year in Auburn sports, everybody's hungry. Um, uh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, as far as I can tell, I believe uh, Coach Alpha is the winningest coach, or winningest active coach on campus right now. Um, I think it's been here since 99, is that right? Yeah, long, long time. 250 wins or so. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, there's a lot of people, like I said, that you know may not be familiar with the Auburn soccer program, may not be soccer fans in general, but uh, I think a lot of people, like I said, are hungry to just go see sports again. So if you just have a, a quick pitch to, to someone new to the soccer program, uh, what is it? Well, if, if nothing else, um, the atmosphere is just so much fun. It's a smaller crowd. You know, a big crowd is a couple hundred people. You jam them into those old baseball stands. That's what they got. They need some new stands, by the way, if anybody with money's listening. A new press box would be nice. A bathroom would be even better. Um, you don't like going I, over the intramural fields for the bathroom? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a little inconvenient at halftime to get off air and sprint over there. But uh, anyway, now that I've kind of made a pitch for some facility upgrades, <clears throat> Alan Green, then um, – it's a great atmosphere. Uh, you've got big student section that comes out. They're beating. Uh, they they take uh, Home Depot buckets and flip them up and drumsticks and go nuts. The you know the, the Greek support is excellent. Uh, half the basketball team and football team is out when they can be there. Um, you see the women's basketball and volleyball. The student athlete supports a lot of fun. Um, but it's a great atmosphere. Everybody's screaming at the referee and not understanding offside. So half the time they're screaming wrong, but it's it's just a blast. And, uh, you know, Britt Bowen and, and JJ and, and some others, we're all so privileged to be able to sit there and call those games. And when the crowd's there, the girls love it. Uh, we love it. You know, we, we keep a field mic on. Uh, just to pump in that because it's you know and if you don't sit down you scream you beat a drum and uh, it's just a beautiful atmosphere and and this is 2021 it's time we got behind our women's sports we got a new basketball coach Um, we got long-term soccer success equestrian national champions um, the golf team uh, our, our women's swimming and diving. I mean, on and on we could go. If if we want to point to our success, it's so frequently of late been on our women's side, and it's time we got out and supported them. Amen to that. Uh, I believe the home opener is not this coming Saturday, but the 21st, so about two weeks from now, a week and a half. Um, be out there Saturday night, 6.30. Playing uh, BYU, making that cross-country trip. Should be a fun one. Uh, all right, you got anything else, Mac? I think we kind of covered the bases. No, I just I really appreciate you giving soccer some love, especially on the women's side. It's uh, Again, it's a privilege to be associated with it, and uh, and and really glad that, that you guys are giving this some press. We hope some folks will come out and, and support the beautiful game and, and some beautiful young ladies. Definitely. Oh, thanks, Mac. Uh, War Eagle. War Eagle. Thanks, Ryan.